If you didn't know it, we call ourselves Christians. That's who we are. We are a bunch of Christians. I mean, take away the fancy clothes and the nice cars out. Basically, we're all just a bunch of Christians that are gathering together uh, today. We, we do it every single week on Sunday at this time. And uh, we sing songs to God. We read the scripture that forms and shapes us. And we do our best as Christians to follow the example of our leader. Does anybody know who that guy is? Jesus. I guess uh, there's a hint behind me. Uh, We are Christians who follow the example of Jesus. And for the past three weeks, uh, we have been talking about Jesus specifically. We've gone to the text. We've looked at different stories of Jesus and how we, as, as, Jesus, as followers of Jesus, can become like Jesus. That we can walk and treat others and see the world as Jesus saw the world. Uh, the first week, uh, we talked about how Jesus, while he lived on the earth, was a rabbi. 2,000 years ago, this Jesus lived and he walked He was an actual person. There is no denying that a man named Jesus lived on the earth. And while he was here, he was a uh, a rabbi. And he invited disciples to follow him. And what that meant was that the disciples would do as Jesus did. They would take upon that same mission that Jesus had. And the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, he says, come, follow me. And the last thing he said to his disciples were, go into the world. And we, as the disciples of Jesus today, have that same mission. Week two, we talked about Jesus as Lord and how our primary allegiance is on our allegiance to the kingdom of heaven. That yes, we are Americans. Yes, we have our political parties, but our first allegiance is to our Lord and to Jesus. That I am an American But I am not just an American who happens to be a Christian. I am a Christian first who is also blessed to be an American. And so talking about that identity and where is our allegiance in that regard. And last week we talked about Jesus. There it is, the Christ. Jesus the Christ. And how this idea of the Christ goes back to the beginning of time. That this ministry of Jesus didn't span just 33 years. That when the first century writers are talking about Jesus, they refer to this word called Christ, which takes us back to the very beginning of time and how God is little by little revealing God's plan and it was manifested through the life of Jesus Christ. And it's so important that we talk about this word Jesus and who he is because we've talked about so oftentimes how sometimes the very people who are supposed to live and talk and preach Jesus, they sometimes don't look like Jesus. The things that Jesus thought were important, sometimes we as a church don't deem as important. Sometimes things that Jesus thought were were not important, sometimes we as a church deem as, as not important. As important, whatever, which way it was. (laughs) So it's important that we look back at the text and really learn who Jesus was. Because, you know, there is some statistics going around there that talk about people's perception of Jesus versus the church. And, in fact, over the years, it's kind of come to light that uh, there are people who are frustrated with the church. But Jesus himself, his popularity has (laughs) not really waned. That Jesus is, people love Jesus, and, but they have problems with the church. In fact, uh, and it's, it's kind of a hard deal because they should 
They, they should be one in one. They, the Jesus should reflect the church, and the church should reflect what Jesus has taught and, and what he lived and how, and how he uh, was on the earth. And so uh, there's this group called Barna. Have you guys heard of Barna Mission Research, research Group? These guys, Barna, it's this organization, and they do uh, research studies. And uh, they do research all across the land. Recently, they had to add a new category in their census. And this category of trying to determine someone's religious affiliation, they added a new one. It says, love Jesus. Let me get it right here. Love Jesus, but not the church. And so that's a new category that they're using in their census. And it's interesting to see that over time, the number of people that fall into this particular category, it's grown, where they have no problem with Jesus. But it's the manifestation of Jesus in the church that they have a problem with. In fact, in 2004, that number was 7% of the entire American population fell into this category. But in 2013, that number rose to 10%. Uh, and so this number, they are seeing is steadily rising and rising. Now, here is another thing that if you are a woman and you are a baby boomer, a baby boomer who is a woman, you have the highest chance of falling into this category of those that love Jesus but do not love the church, the institution. And it's interesting, if you fall into that category, it'd be interesting in a different discussion to figure out, well, why is that demographic so susceptible uh, to this type of thinking? And what I really kind of think is funny about this particular graph, though, is how you have the boomers, and then everything else is called elders. <laughs> like, like, you get to boomers, and then everything is, they group everybody else into the elders uh, category, which is uh, very interesting in that capacity. But there shouldn't be a disparity In my opinion, the church should reflect 100% the identity and teachings of Jesus. There shouldn't be a disparity. There should not even be this particular category. We need to look as Jesus looked. We need to read the stories that Jesus, that 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 about Jesus, and try to emulate that. Like John chapter eight, when Jesus caught the woman in adultery. Let that story shape how we deal with people who are. Or caught in tough positions. Or in Matthew 21, when Jesus goes into the temple and he throws off the tables, we need to ask that question, what made Jesus angry in that particular passage? And then the next question is, is are we as equally angered as Jesus was about this particular deal? But what Jesus was angry about, we should also be angry with. At the very end of Jesus' ministry, before he was heading off uh, to the cross, he knew it was coming. He gathered his disciples together in the upper room, and he gave the Last Supper. And if you have your Bibles today, this is what story of Jesus we're going to hit on today. It's in Mark chapter 14. And if you have your Bible that's uh, open it up. But if you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles that are in front of the, seat, the, front of the pew. And uh, this particular story is on page 1,579. Page 1,579. And we'll pick it up in verse 22. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it. 
and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take it, this is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. He said to them, I tell you the truth, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it anew in the kingdom of God. This is referring to what we would call the Lord's Supper communion. And what a fitting way for us as a church body, as Christians, to culminate this series on Jesus with taking the Lord's Supper together as Christians. Taking this act We do it every single Sunday here, but we're going to do it special today as a symbolic act of taking upon the weight of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And it's interesting that uh, there's different phrases in this Lord's Supper how Jesus asked his disciples to take the cup, to eat his body. And it's hard to know what is he talking about here. In fact, early on in the first century, there were Roman officials who accused the Christians of being cannibals because they thought that this was referring to his actual body and blood here in this text. But what does that symbolically mean? When we take the cup and we eat the body, what does that mean for us today? What does it mean as Christians? Well, we get a glimpse of this In Matthew chapter 20, if you turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 20, uh, this is on page 1530, if you have this Bible. In Matthew chapter 20, uh, verses 20, it says, Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons, and kneeling down, asked a favor of him. What is it you want? he asked. She said, and this is the mother of James and John who's asking Jesus a favor, She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. Jesus replies, you don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink my cup. But to sit at my right or, or left, it's not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by, preferred, been prepared by my Father. So what is Jesus referring to when he's talking about taking his, the cup, eating the body? What, what symbolism is he referring to? Well, there's two stories in the life of Jesus that could give us a glimpse into what he is talking about. That could address and contribute to this conversation. The first of these stories is in Matthew chapter 4, when Jesus, at the very beginning of his ministry, he is baptized by John in Matthew chapter 3. And then the first thing that he does, what's the first thing that Jesus does after he gets baptized by John? He goes off to the wilderness for 40 days. And who is he tempted by? Satan. Jesus is tempted by Satan. This is the first story. In scripture, at the very beginning of his, mes- of his ministry, where Jesus has to confront evil. Jesus confronts evil for the first time at the very beginning of his ministry. And as we know the story through scripture and through the power, his own power, he was able to overcome this evil with the tempting of the devil. Then at the very end of the story, 
And the one that we celebrate each week is the cross, where Jesus dies on the cross. And in this particular story, Jesus is confronting death. He is confronting sin, and he's taking upon that evil in Matthew chapter 4 upon his shoulders. And he takes, that, he takes that evil upon his shoulders, and he dies as a sacrifice for that evil. So, when Jesus is referring to eating his body and drinking the cup, what is he talking about? Well, it could be one way to look at it, and a, and a contribution to this story is that when Jesus is asking us to do the same, to take the cup and to dr- eat the body, He's asking us also to confront the very same things that he confronted. That we as Christians, each and every week, we are given the opportunity to take the, blood, the, the juice and the bread, and we are given the opportunity to confront evil that's within our own life, to confront the, the wickedness that's within us, to confront the, the malevolence, to confront the things that aren't of God within us. And each week we're faced with the opportunity to confront that evil within us and also within the world. And in the second story of Jesus on the cross, that because we now are the body of Christ, because we are the body of Christ, we, through the power of Christ, can take upon some of the injustices, some of the evils of the world, and do something about it because we are God's ambassadors, Christ's ambassadors here on the earth. That not only this, this thing that we do each Sunday, it celebrates this sacrifice that Jesus did, but it gives us an opportunity to not only, number one, reflect within us ourselves. And just as Jesus confronted evil with Satan in Matthew chapter 4, we have the opportunity to confront that evil within us and also within the world. And secondly, we as a body, as a collective, we make a commitment that we are God's hands and feet on the earth, and we can take upon the, the, the struggles and try to do something about it in the name of Christ. So for this time, we're going to do communion in a different way today. It's going to be a little bit out of the box, so I ask that you bear with me. What we have is we have two tables that are on the, on the, on the, the front here. And row by row, we're going to ask you to stand up and walk to the tables to get the, the bread and also get the wine. And if I could have the elders uh, that I talked to um, to go behind the tables right now. Uh, David Griffin, would you mind also um, helping out? <clears throat> and um, row by row, we are going to walk, and as a body, we are going to partake of this body and this blood of Jesus together as a community. Remembering the sacrifice of Jesus Confronting the evil within, also within the world, and also remembering that because of the blood of Christ, we have the chance to overcome uh, death. We, uh, we also have something special, too. There's going to be about 10 minutes of uh, reflection time. Uh, we will have images on the screen of scriptures, um, with also singing in the background. So uh, it's going to be a little bit crazy. This is out of the box, but what's going to happen is when, after the prayer, uh, we'll start this, the, the, the video, and each row by row, if you could stand up and go to these tables in a line, and then on the way back, go to, you can either go to your pew and reflect again and, and pray, or we have prayer tables that are surrounded all across this auditorium that you can walk around and, 
and see on that table back there uh, behind Royce, that table has prayers that were written by some of the patristic fathers in the first century. And so if you would like to pick one of those prayers up and go back to, your, uh, to the pew and read that prayer, you're more than willing to do that. On this right here uh, behind Alan Martin, that table, uh, we have prayers of the people. And if you feel called to go and write a prayer to God uh, at that prayer, uh, prayer uh, put it in the basket, and we will try to use one of those prayers to close out the service uh, today. At the very back, if you turn around, at the very back, there's that whiteboard in the back. No one's turning, <laughs> turning around. <laughs> there's a whiteboard, or a corkboard. Uh, on that corkboard, there are words, there are statistics, there are people. And if you feel called to go there and take one uh, to pray specifically about whatever is on that, uh, that, that card, you are more than willing to do that too. So uh, it's going to be a little bit crazy, but we can handle this. We can do it. I believe in us. I believe in us. Uh, if you cannot uh, walk, and if you prefer to stay in your, uh, your chair, if you would raise your hand uh, in your pew, uh, if you'd raise your hand, uh, we will pass around uh, the communion uh, to you uh, specifically. And if you are a guest for the first time here, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> you can sit on the pew and enjoy uh, the singing and the, the images. You can also uh, participate uh, with us in this family meal uh, that we have. So uh, without any further ado, let's pray uh, for the body and for the, for the blood. And then we'll enter into a time of meditation, uh, 10 to 15 minutes uh, to do that. One more thing I forgot before we pray. Uh, if you want to pray with each other as well, uh, this is a great time uh, to do that. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are so grateful for your son, Jesus. We are so thankful that through his life and through his example, we can grow, we can change, we can become better people. We read the story in scripture of Jesus confronting evil through the temptation of Jesus, confronting the evils of this world, and we ask that here right now, that in our own life, that through this act as a community, we can confront the things within us that are dark, the things within us that we do not like, the things in us which we would like to change. And Father, we are so thankful that through your Spirit we can have confidence that you alongside us, we can grow and transform into the image of Jesus. We also are so thankful for the cross and how through the example of Jesus, he took the weight of the world on his shoulders and through his death, he was taking upon and defeating death. Our prayer, too, is as we partake of this act as a community, that we can also, in our small, feeble human way, as a community, join together to be the body of Christ on this earth and be about transforming and righting the injustices and seeking uh, the right way, the way the world was created to be. We are so grateful, Father, for uh, your Son, Jesus, and for this time. We pray all this in your Son's holy and precious name. Amen. For I receive from the Lord 
what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after, he, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. What an incredible morning it has been. And literally, the Lord's Supper, communion, uh, some call it the Eucharist, but we have just participated in. And Eucharist literally means the good gift. U is good, caris is gift. And what we do each week celebrates this incredible gift because it is a gift from God, this life because of Jesus. And each week at Skillman, we do offer an invitation for prayers, an invitation for those who want to become a disciple of Jesus through baptism. Each week, we offer opportunity for those that are hurting to share uh, with the community, with your brothers and sisters, what that might be for us to pray with you. At this time, we will have uh, elders on the side of this auditorium. I'll be up front. If there is anything you need or if, if there's anything that we can pray for, why don't you come while together we stand and we sing?